Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Just lift up your hands and worship Him. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Just lift up your voice and worship Him. Pastor Philip Steele uh, marching orders afresh, enlarging on what he's already spoken, not different, but enlarging on it. So make sure you don't go here and say, mm, that's a little too over and above. That's a little too out there. Just go there. Just go there. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We thank you, Father. Mashtakaya, just pray in the Holy Ghost with me tonight. Mashtakiriya da botonte estingie. Majada da kaite pakasta kariata posto koriate pekikie. Manjata pakakaya da bostoriata pakashtikikie. Mosto koriada bekikikie. Mapapaya da bakaria da basakaria. Now there's three in here specifically that the Lord has in mind, but how many of you know faith will take it if it applies, even if it's anywhere near <laughs> as something you may need. The Lord will bless your faith and he'll meet your faith. But there are particularly three and it seems three pastors and um, it seems to me it's your personal finances that it's on the edge of not not being not being all you've been believing for and uh this just came to my heart just right where you're at turn around three times just right where you're at because he's turning things around for you he's turning things around for you He's turning things around for you. Now listen, I said three pastors, but, but God won't limit it to three when faith puts a demand on something. I'm saying he has three in mind particularly, but he'll always answer faith. Amen. And those three, you're going to see super natural, supernatural, supernatural. Turn around to where you just stand back and you go, I could never have done this. Because you couldn't have. Praise the Lord. Sometimes it almost seems like this when we've exhausted all we know to do, we just kind of stand back. And that way nobody's confused about who did it. Right? He'll let us sometimes exhaust all about when we're using everything we got. 
sometimes he'll just let us exhaust all that so you can know and not be confused that it weren't it wasn't your brilliance. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, Father, we're so grateful for that. Thank you for that. It matters to us that our brethren are experiencing your best. Thank you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. And Pastor Ike, it won't just be a turnaround. It will be spectacular. Spectacular. Amen. Meaning he'll make a show of it. He'll make a show of it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, come here, Pastor Ike. Pastor Ike, come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Now, this brother has been uh, a dear friend of this ministry for years, and he's now pastoring in Nigeria. Uh, come put, ushers, come put a couple buckets in front of him. Let's make a show of it. Let's make a show of it. Hallelujah. Bless him. Just follow what's in your heart. Bless him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll wait a minute for you to dig around. We'll wait. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a joy to me. That is, woo, that's a good time right there. 
at these opportunities. It's an opportunity. You say, well, for him. No, for you. and hand him the bucket. Can you get it all in one bucket? M mash it down. Yeah, mash it. Here, here, you put you mash it down like that. There we go. That's how you mash it. Hand him that. All right. Now you you pronounce a blessing on the people. Father, <laughs> just like you said to me at the beginning of this year, that this is a great year and with great help. Mm. The people have sown. We didn't go to Nigeria on our own. You said to go. And they have brought a supply to what you said to go do. Now, Father, I've never seen you not reward them that obey you. So I declare over them by your spirit and your power that this year every seed in this bucket will return back to them good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. I see buildings. I see buildings. Coming. I see buildings. Houses. Houses. They come to them in the name of Jesus. I see even families broken returned back in the name of Jesus. I see children that have walked away come back. Because of this seed, Father, reward in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My honor, my honor. Hallelujah. Say, I receive it. I receive it. I take it. Hallelujah. Is France, where's Francine? Francine, where are you? Where? Where are you? She's where? Come here, sister. Come, hurry, hurry. I got a secret to tell you. Cut my mic. Put it back on. She's my financial gal. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
American gospel. It'll work anywhere. In any nation. For anyone who will believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. about a woman who was a missionary and uh, she was in uh, some foreign nation and she came down with smallpox and she would pray and pray and pray and pray. Prayed by the hour. And uh, there was seemingly no relief, no turn in her situation. And while she was praying, she had a vision. And in the vision, she saw an old-time scale to where two dishes sat opposite each other. And he, in that, in that vision, she saw that one side was down and one side was up. The side that was down, I've heard him say it two different ways, which each are appropriate. So let me say two different ways that he had said it was the side that was down was heavy with the sickness, but it was heavy with praying too. And then he said uh, the side that is lacking balance is praise. And so she for the next three days quit the praying Praying is right. But after you prayed, Paul and Silas did something after they prayed. And she began to praise. And for three days and nights, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And at the end of three days and nights, she again saw the vision, saw the same scale, and saw the balance shift. And when she saw the praise side hit the fullness, she looked after that vision and every single of the smallpox was gone off of her body. Now see, many have, are, they're, they're heavy with praying, heavy with the need, but we've got to get heavy with the rejoicing. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavy with the rejoicing. Hallelujah. Now, now, Stephen, come up here because you told me a story the other night and it was about when they saw something not fulfilled. Do you remember? You were telling me at the house. Do you remember it? I don't remember what story you're talking about. <laughs> Cut my mic again. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> 
here so they can see you. Well, some of you might have heard this. It was the other morning on Brother Copeland's network, the Victory Network, and Brother Copeland referred to the man, Pastor Greg Stevens, who teaches the, the Hebrew and um, he said, I had just turned it on for five minutes before I came to the church. And at the very end, he said, uh, things were going on with the election. He said, now remember this. When the, uh, the rabbis saw something, the way he described the when the rabbis would see something that God had said, and y'all can help me if I get this right, in, but they didn't see it fulfilled. fulfilled or in manifestation the way God had said it. They, they were looking at something, they saw this is what, we could say this is what has been promised, but they didn't see it out and they didn't understand why they weren't seeing what God had said. Is that right? That's how you heard it. Is that the same? Okay. So I, I'm listening real intently. And he said, I'm thinking some big, you know, revelation they're going to come out with. And he said, they would just get up from the book and start dancing. They would just get up and start dancing. When they didn't understand or they weren't seeing what they saw, they would just get up and start dancing. So I, I called my husband immediately and I said, this is what the rabbis, because he said in expectation that God was going to reveal. It was a dance of expectation that God would reveal to them exactly. And so I called Stephen and he said, all right, that's what we take and that's what we're going to do. And so it was an assignment on us as Pastor Nancy's been talking about. Is that the one you want me to tell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so anything that God's put in your heart and said to you that hadn't been fulfilled, dance it in. that I had recorded, Dad Hagen would often refer to Mom and Dad Goodwin. And he said that Dad Goodwin had stated, he said, when I get in a financial tight, just not even behind, but things just get tight, he says, I just go in the office, close the door and dance. Most go in 
amen and start praying and using every heavenly language they may have access to. <laughs> now see, when people who have walked with God and know God and know the life of faith, and have great fruit in the life of faith, we need to imitate what they do. We need to take note because those are things you learn through living it. You learn that dancing, not to a tune, but to the faith in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. And we need to learn to rejoice at the opportunity. Every challenge, every opposition is nothing but an opportunity. Hallelujah. And we need people rejoice at manifestation until you dance and rejoice at opportunity. You'll see a lot more manifestation. Praise the Lord. And I can, that, I'm just, that anointing tangibly is just going down my arm and coming out my hand. So I say, be blessed, 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 be blessed. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. We need to be as good at receiving as we are at asking. <laughs> Amen. Dad Hagen made this statement in a service one time. He said, not many people believe they receive when they pray. That's what he said. Not many believe they receive when they pray. But we do. I said, we do. We do. We do. Say, I receive it. 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 Pastor Ike, come here. You know, Brother Copeland made a statement. I made a statement. I read it. I don't remember whether it was in a partner letter or a his Voice of Victory publication. But he said, I am my community's connection to the blessing of God. Because the blessing is on me. And he said, my community receives the blessing that's on me. I am their connection to their blessing. Amen. And I say that about your community, your nation. Give me your hand. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that the blessing of the Lord will trump any other thing that is not of the blessing in his city, in his community, and even effect in the nation. He is that community's, that region, that nation's connection to the blessing along with other believers, along with all the other believers, but he knows it. And so he'll employ it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, praise the Lord. Heaven is pleased about 
You know, do you know when that started flowing out my hand? When you gave. Why? That's the pleasure of heaven. He's pleased. He's pleased. Amen. Father, it is our pleasure to operate, cooperate with your will and your plan. That we are so blessed that now we're looking for the opportunity to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you for that opportunity tonight. Well, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. And we're declaring and I'm saying, and you can hear me and you say it too this week, that we receive at least double into this ministry this week over the expenses, at least double, at least double, at least double. We're not going to cap it off, but at least double. Amen. So you agree with us. Amen. You say, where do you get that? Well, uh, Brother Copeland said that, he said for years, he said when they would do their big conferences, conventions, he said for years they were, you know, they'd fall behind every time. And he went to God about it and God said, you're the problem. He said, you haven't said it. You haven't declared it. And he said, you start declaring it in every meeting. And he says, now we go way over. Way over. We were there. Um, I don't know. Some of you might have seen it or might have been there. But it was the first night. I think it's last year. And I don't know quite what the budget is. But I mean, they were like a million dollars over the budget like the first night. You see, people will hear that and so hear a million. Well, that should be, that should be, that shouldn't choke us. That shouldn't choke us. Amen. I mean, the world talks about billions and thinks nothing of it. Praise the Lord. So at least double. At least double. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blessing of the Lord that's upon us and we'll move with it in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. you can be seated praise the Lord praise the Lord I would tell you to turn to a certain scripture but I've got probably about 10 pages in before I get to that point (laughs) it's uh It's been strong on my heart the past couple of months to have greater clarity of the coming decades of what God has for us to accomplish. And I'm I'm referring specifically to our ministry. You know, you can see and know in a general direction where you should be going and we're in that general direction. But you can stand here if we were to remove the walls and across the street is a housing addition. If we removed the walls and we stood there, we would see the houses. But if you gave us a set of binoculars, we'd see into the rooms. And that's what I was looking to God, not because we were looking the wrong direction, but I'm looking for greater range of view to see more fully and to know more fully and uh, why because I want to make sure we're running accurately 
We don't have any years to be wasted. Any years to retrace our steps and go a different direction. So with Morgan helping me pastor here at the church, God spoke to me. And he said, you need to stop feeding yourself like you're a pastor. He said, because, and see, I've done that for 25 years. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, he's talking about my emphasis. And he said, you need to stop feeding like a pastor because you'll keep teaching like a pastor. He said, you need to feed in line with the visions and, and dreams you've had about the future. Because if you don't feed that direction, those things you've seen, you won't go into. So you have to feed the direction he wants you to go. And really, every if I could say this, having been a pastor for 25 years, I don't know that you'll ever lose the pastor's heart. I mean, in the sense of... The, you love the sheep and it's a, it's a joy and a pleasure, but he's talking to me about changing the emphasis. And what I've seen in the future, and he started showing it to me back in 1986 is the first time I ever saw. And uh, it's always healing crusades. Everything he shows me about the future of the ministry it's the healing crusades. Well, see, I can't arrive at what I see in the healing crusades teaching like a pastor. Because a pastor will have a broad range of things he must address. But if I'm going to have the healing crusades, I can't have a broad range. I have to streamline. And so this is in line with what God showed Ed in the beginning years of his ministry. And when I say the beginning years, I'm talking about the early 70s. Um, he was invited, he told of an incident that he was invited to Northern California to minister. And it was just a handful of people. I don't know, it might have even been in a house, you know, not a, I don't know if it would have been in a church building. It could have been just to a small, uh, you know, Bible study group in a house. And uh, he was invited in when he got there, they didn't put him in a hotel. They put him in an old two-story home that was empty, that they were trying to sell. Somebody in the church was trying to sell it. Their relative had lived there and died there. And so Ed's put in this empty home and they put a bed down there for him in the, you know, on the main floor. And it was in the, I guess, kind of like you would consider the great room, in the main room that that bed was. They didn't try to set up a bedroom. They just put a bed and, and housed him there. And you know, when you're starting out in ministry, you're glad to have a bed, you know? So he said, and these are his words, he said it was a spooky house, <laughs> especially since somebody had died there, you know, and your, your imagination, and he's younger, you know, then, and... <laughs> And he said, I was having a hard time going to sleep. My imagination was <laughs> going, you know. And he said, um, the bed sat in the middle of the room. And like I said, it was the main room, so it was the largest room. And he said as he was in, he couldn't fall asleep. And so as he was laying in bed, he said, 
an angel showed up in the room and the room lit up. And the angel said, look into, look through the window and see into the future. And all of a sudden the bed was, that was in the middle of the room slammed against the wall where there was a window. And when he looked through the window, it wasn't the outside he saw, it was the future he saw in that went through that window. And he said, what I saw, I was looking down on a great healing crusade. So that's in keeping with what God has been dealing and shown us. And just because he's not here doesn't mean the assignment can't be carried on. God doesn't necessarily just give assignments to men. He does, but he also gives them to faith. I mean, you have to have faith to carry it through. And so when the man is no longer here, someone with faith that not just anybody, but I'm saying when you're close to that man, God may authorize you to pick up that some things that it was to flow over onto you as well. And so many of you FOF ministers that got to be around Ed, things flowed over to you from him, from the anointing on his life. And one time he, he said, and this was again back in the early 70s, he saw himself hanging off a satellite and this was before satellites were being used to broadcast church services. This was in the 70s and he said, I saw myself in outer space hanging off the satellite and declaring Jesus is the healer. And that's where we got the title for the television broadcast from. Because I remember if God showed it, I want to stay in, in line I don't need something of my own. I'm taking what he's already said. And um, now I'm going to flip to a bit of a different story. And I don't tell this to dwell on a hardship. But I, I wanted to say those statements that I just made because of what I'm getting ready to say. So it sounds like two different stories, but it's not. It'll come together, believe me. <laughs> but um, in the last, this happened in pertaining to my mother. And in the last several years, I saw her go through several different physical challenges. Um, and different hardships. I'm not focusing, I'm not focusing on that, but I acknowledge that so I can... Uh, so I can say the whole, I want to give you the whole picture so that when I tell you what God says, you understand where these instructions came from. So in, in 2018, she had an open heart surgery that took a year and a half for her to recover from. But because, I mean, she was at the time, well, she went home to be with the Lord. What, how old is she? 80, she's 87. She's 87. So um, in, in this, this past year, 2020, she went home to be with the Lord. So she would have been, what, about 85? Yeah, when she had the open heart surgery. Well, that's very dramatic on someone of that age. So that's, that was quite a long recovery for her. And then in 2020, she had a cancerous tumor removed from, that had grown through the skull. Then within weeks, she had a stroke. She had to learn to talk again. Then she fell two times, cracked ribs, cracked her tailbone. Then my brother died 
unexpectedly. Um, and then she was diagnosed with bone cancer. All that in 2020. So the woman was amazing to me because I would, I would call her and say, Mother, what you doing? She says, I'm just keeping on living. <laughs> so many people would have quit, given up. She said, I'm just keeping on living. <laughs> and you would hear her say, when she would have to get up and her tailbone was cracked or her ribs were cracked. And I was down there all the time, uh, several times uh, a year in the last several years. And you could hear her before she'd get up, she'd say, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Then she'd get up. And she just said it to herself, well, I can do this, I can do this. So she just kept living, you know? But 2020 was a difficult year for her physically. But it paid off at the end of 2020 because then she went home and how, then you gain, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. And so to see her go through these things, it's not easy on the natural side. But you're so blessed by where she, she's just one room away. One room away. And so... When she was diagnosed with bone cancer, um, <clears throat> of course, she had a very aggressive form. So she was diagnosed in July and she died in early September. She's diagnosed at the end of July. So we're talking about an, not even an eight-week period from the time she was diagnosed to the time she went home to be with the Lord. But I didn't know if I was going to be able to be with her during the last days because of the proximity not knowing how long she would live. And, you know, I kept the phone by me just in case I got a phone call that she had died. Because of falling and things, you could, there's different things that could have factored into that kind of an event. And so um, God began dealing with me that I would be able to be there. And so I adjusted some things and during that time is when I got to go to stay at our ranch in Colorado. So I was within a, a one day, well, it's a nine hour drive from the ranch to where she was. And so I had planned to go visit her for about a week, but I hadn't expected to happen what did. And Dee, Dee got to go with me. I just saw Dee Dee. Dee, Dee asked to go with me. She became one of the family. You know, it's like, Dee, Dee mother likes you so much, I keep losing rank. <laughs> You know, you know, we, there's four kids. And so you say, okay, my sister's at the top level. I mean, her and mother were best friends. She was so good to my parents. She never took a vacation throughout her whole life without taking my parents. She, they were best friends. And so she catered and did everything for them. And for the last 15 years, I mean, she took care of them completely. And uh, so I have to give her first drink. <laughs> And uh, then my, my brother that went home to be with the Lord, you know, he was, he was pretty close to second right there, you know. So I, every time somebody better came along than me, you know, I would just say, okay, I'm getting pushed down the line. <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> so I, I had planned to go visit her during my time in Colorado, just going down there for a week. And when I, Dee Dee and I walked in and I saw her because I just seen her Oh, maybe eight weeks before from my brother's funeral. 
and she was, she, you would look at her and not think anything was really wrong with her other than she was slower to move because, was it her ribs then that had cracked? And so um, she looked good. She, she never put on for people to get people to feel bad, you know? And so when I walked in and saw her that day, um, just eight weeks later after having seen her at my brother's funeral, I was stunned by how much she had declined. And I thought, she's not going to be able to be here much longer. And so her suffering was apparent. And um, it was so sweet. Brother Richard Roberts said, Nancy, I want to pray for her. So he said, when you get down there, you call me. I want to pray for her. And he found out everyone that was in the room, my brother, my sister-in-law, my sister, uh, Dee Dee, everyone, and brother, brother Richard said, give me everyone's name. And he prayed for each one of us individually. From, when I had walked in, she was jaundiced. Her, which, her liver was shutting down. And after he prayed the next day that she was no longer yellow, uh, she was sitting up the day before she, her, her chin was on her chest. But after he prayed, she sat up and uh, it was my birthday and we watched mo her favorite movie, The Unsinkable Molly Brown. If you haven't seen it, do it. We watched a couple other, a couple other things and I said, and Dee Dee and I talked about it, that if anybody would have walked in that day, they'd have never known she was sick. Yet she was still struggling. There was still the pain there. She's so funny. She hated taking medicine. And everybody called her Doc Chapman because she, she thought, you, it's what you need. You need to do this. You need to do that. Just get your little poultice. You know, get you a potato and scrape it and put a little poultice on it, you know. She didn't like medicine. She didn't like thinking that medicine was the cure and the help. So the doctor had given her some medicine, strong medicine. She wouldn't take it. All she was on was Advil just days before she died of bone cancer. And bone cancer is one of the most painful things, but she wouldn't take it because she didn't like the way it made her feel. And so that's what she was taking. And so you can understand, you could tell she was suffering, but she didn't say anything, you know? She'd go to get up and she'd cry at movement. Movement was something difficult for her, but she was still walking around and things. And so, um, when I arrived on the Thursday, she was walking limitedly, eating on her own. On Monday, hospice came, and at that point, she could no longer walk, she could no longer feed herself, and within just a few hours, she quit eating, she quit drinking, you know. And so, the process of watching, of watching this, it's not fun. But I will say this, we were graced for it. I don't ever want to I don't ever want you to think that any grace is less than what you have to see. Grace is always greater than anything you will ever have to see because I don't describe something that's particular to me. Many of you have been through seeing suffering of loved ones, of family members, and maybe suffered your own self. And I want you to know if you will turn your focus right, the suffering will not trouble you. You're graced for it. And I remember we arrived on a Thursday, a Friday week, 
about, you know, eight days later, I had been out running errands and we would make sure we got out of the house a little bit every day just to keep, so you can refocus. <laughs> and so I was coming back into the house and it was like I hit a wall of glory. Why? Because uh, in the eyes of the Lord, the, his, the homecoming of the saints is precious to him. And so it was, the setting was just a blessing. You could tangible. I mean, I felt it boom, like I hit something of that glory. So there's a grace to see anything you have to see and be untroubled. Not be harassed, not be tormented. Now, if you get in the mental arena, you can be tormented all you want. And so seeing my mother, though, go through the suffering, although she was very quiet about it, she didn't talk about it. And I'd lay in bed and I said it from here, not from here and not from my emotions, but I said it from here. I hate sickness and disease. You have to hate it to reach for it the way it has to be reached for to get past opposition. Not that it's hard for God to do it, but you have to feel about it the way he feels about it. And I laid in bed and I said from here, I hate sickness and disease and it put a resolve in me. I hate pain and suffering. And when I said that, the anointing in me, why? Because now I stepped into God's mind. His mindset toward it. And I again consecrated myself to the healing ministry. For those who don't know, for those who haven't heard, God intends your hearing to be a blessing to someone else's lack of hearing. That's right. That's good. That's good. He intends for you to take what he's put in you and spend it for someone else. Not just consume it, spend it. Because he told Abraham, I blessed you to make you a blessing. So don't get in the mindset that if they haven't heard all that you've heard for the years you've heard it, that they can't have it. Now don't misunderstand me. Somebody's going to have to be skillful. Somebody's going to have to know something. But we can't just get the mindset that they have to have every, all the history, spiritual history you've had before they can move into things. Jesus Every day was healing people who had not heard. Or he told them and then healed. But it, it wasn't years of hearing. <laughs> I'm not devaluing hearing. People have to hear. But we can get in this mindset of how long it has to take. and Praise the Lord. 
nine days after we arrived, we didn't know, I, I, I knew this, I can't leave again. I was only going to stay a week, but I knew she would not last much longer. And so I woke up one morning and as I was waking up, I saw. And what I saw, my brother that had gone home to be with the Lord just weeks before, his, his church was on the town square. And they had bought the movie theater. So the, the old marquee was out there and they used it for their announcements and the church name. And it was uh, the theater where my mother worked as a teenager. Would she have ever known that her son would preach the gospel in that building as a 16-year-old working in that theater? And uh, I saw in the dream, I saw that marquee and it said her name. And then it said her date of birth and her date of death. I couldn't see the dates. I just saw the, the format of exactly what you see on a headstone. And so I knew it wouldn't be long and that was on a Friday and Sunday night she went home two days later. So when I would think of the events of those final days and seeing her suffering, uh, it didn't trouble me, but you'd still weep just out of the compassion of what knowing what she had gone through and like I said, I wasn't harassed, I wasn't troubled, I wasn't depressed, I wasn't saddened, so to speak, in the respect that so many are. And I thought to myself, I've got to quit touching that in my thought life because I'm not, I don't want to give opportunity to the enemy because if you linger on something. But over, t over the next weeks, it would come back again, but it wouldn't be troubling. So just the other day, I was driving down the road and the thought of her, those last days came again. And I again said, I hate sickness and disease. I'm saying from here. Yeah, yeah. I hate sickness and disease. I hate pain and suffering. And again, that anointing, started rising up on the inside. And I said to God, every time I remember, have any memory of her, I will declare that. And God began speaking to me at that point. And he said this, He began dealing with me about the memory because like I said, those would come up and they didn't seem, they weren't coming from out here bombarding. They were almost, it's almost like a precious time. It wasn't, I'm not talking about the pain and suffering, the time with her was what was so precious. And God said this to me, use those memories of those days to propel you toward the healing ministry to become, to move more consecrated, more skillfully and compassionately in the healing ministry. Then he said this statement, turn her suffering into your skill. Turn her suffering into your skill. So I determined she would not suffer in vain. 
Now you understand God had nothing to do with the suffering. Please understand that. But I decided, devil, the suffering that I saw my mother go through will mean the liberty of many. Many will not suffer because she will not have suffered in vain. I will be a student to help eliminate suffering by your power and your grace, Father. And that's what he said, turn her suffering into your skill. Praise the Lord. As I said, he had no part in causing her to suffer because we are redeemed from sickness and disease. But he knows how to turn something like that into a catalyst for something good. Amen. Amen. God wanted me there for several reasons. Number one, to honor her. When you try to sidestep where you should be, it's an honor issue. People many times don't want to be where they should be because it's hard. Somebody, somebody, somebody has to honor more than just trying to protect their ease. Amen. See, we're in a society where we take parents and ship off. My sister said to my parents, you will never be in a home. She said, I will see to it. She told them that for years. And the comfort of that. Now, I understand there are some situations where that has to happen. I understand because they require medical attention you can't give. So, but I'm talking about people who are sidestepping the honor of tending to their loved ones to, so that they can have it easy. Well, pray, see how... You'll make it. Brother Copeland was here and gave you a big shot of something good. And so there was three reasons God wanted me there. Number one, to honor her. Number two, to be a help and just be present for my sister who had been doing this for, and she stayed with my mother the last seven months. And then the third thing was because it worked something in me that I needed for what I'm born for. It, there's a compassion that began to be grasped. And a mindset that has to be held to where you hate. You hate anything that, that Satan authors. Not just, not just don't like it. You hate it with a holy hatred. You know why people many times stay bound to things? They don't hate it yet. To see her suffer, it was a suffering for me. Yeah. But I want you to know suffering and I'm not there again do not fall into the suffering I'm talking about that's called for is with sickness and disease any kind of suffering will if you will if you will follow God it will deepen you it will work something and it will mature you because there has to come a maturity 
Maturity is so important in the life of the believer, spiritually, mentally. Amen. Even though I knew it would be difficult to see that, I am so glad of what it worked in me. Amen. Amen. Norval Hayes and Dad Hagen, you've heard me tell it. As they were going down the road and a crippled man came across walking through the crosswalk and Brother Norval said to Dad Hagen, is it the will of God to heal that man? And Dad Hagen said, if someone will pay the price. This is what God is looking for. Amen. Jesus paid the price to purchase freedom from sickness and disease, but we ha- what's the price we pay? The price to become skillful. The price to become skillful with what he purchased. Amen. Dad, someone asked Dad Hagen, Dad was telling this, someone asked Dad Hagen, how are you so settled? Because the responsibility of the voice he carried was so large. But he was, he purposed to not worry. He purposed to live untroubled and someone asked him, how are you so settled? And this is what he answered, because I've suffered. Now, we, you say, I like faith messages. Uh-huh. <laughs> but this is a, another side to equipping us for the era we're in. Because demons will not congratulate us as we move further into the era. There will be opposition. And if we don't renew our minds to what the word says about that suffering, people will derail, tuck tail and run and get off into wrong directions just so they can relieve themselves from the suffering. I could have relieved myself from the suffering of seeing my mother just by not showing up. Well, praise the Lord. Think about what Dad Hagen suffered. His dad abandoned his family. He's an orphan from that sense. His mother had a mental breakdown. At different times, she would try to kill herself. And Dad Hagen's grandmother, as a six-year-old, he said, the grandmother would be out hanging out clothes. The mother was in the house and the grandmother would position him between the, at the door between the grandmother and the mother and she'd say, if she tries to do something, call me. And he said, I'd start yelling, mama's got the knife, mama's got the knife and she'd be in the kitchen trying to kill herself with it. As a six-year-old boy, he's got to alert his grandmother. She'd come in and wrestle the knife away from her because her mind went out for a time. You talk about suffering and Dad Hagen said, you think that won't leave a mark on you. The suffering of seeing that. Is that the will of God? Is that the suffering that he's talking about that belongs to us? No, but we can certainly benefit something being worked in us for God's use. Amen. Uh, So he 
saw that. What about the struggles of the Great Depression? He got up off the deathbed and had to immediately go to work. Of the, the, the suffering of somebody, a child walked out of the room, out of the house, his neighbor did, and was in the backyard playing, and he, they were up at the fence talking to each other, and this neighbor kid is holding a sandwich, and Brother Hagen smells it and passes out from hunger, just when he smells it. He was hungry for so much of the time, and that's why his mother finally just picked up and, you know, asked for help later. What about this, not having a normal childhood unable to play? What kind of understanding would he have towards somebody else that's in a situation like that? What about being on a deathbed for 16 months and the doctors, no hope, no hope. The suffering that comes with no hope of a death sentence over your head. Then he also said he would suffer three to five heart attacks a day during that time. And he would hang on to the bed spindles. And he said he wore the varnish off the headboard hanging on to life. Not to die. Then his mother went blind caring for him while she was caring for him just due to stress. And he said, I watched my blind mother try to grope around the room trying to take care of me as an invalid. You think that that's not hard to see. And all of this before the age of 15. Then talk about the tests and trials of ministry. Now you're called, born again, called in the tests and trials. And then when he said, when people said, how are you so settled? Because I've suffered. He understood God always saw him through. God always turned it for his benefit. Therefore, when, when the opportunity to quit came, he didn't take it because he had had too much experience with God's deliverance in the face of suffering. You have to have experience with God's deliverance to be calm. If you react in fear, you're not allowing the experience of deliverance to be a history for you. It just makes up the history of your life that you see deliverance after deliverance and you're calm because you know what God's going to do. Amen. Dad Hagen had become so skillful with the word in the face of tests and trials that he was untroubled. And you know this, no one's, no one's called winner without having an opponent. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. Great victories, as Dad Hagen would say, come out of great battles. Even though we're faith people, opposition exists. And you better learn this. When you're building your faith, you're building. <laughs> you're building the opportunity for oppositions greater. Praise the Lord. When you say yes to God, you just said yes to every challenge. Because challenges accompany yes. Amen. And we don't, we don't magnify the difficulties. We focus on the good because the victory is ours, but we're not ignorant and think that everything is all cherries and Christmas presents and everything. We're aware that we have to have a fortitude in us because there's going to come suffering just because anything you don't wish to come is going to be a suffering. 
Philippians 4, verse 11, the Amplified, and I'm just going to read a, a portion of that, a partial reading on this verse. Paul is in prison. He's there wrongfully. He doesn't know when he's getting out. <laughs> he doesn't have information from the prison guard. And he says, I have learned how to be content. You talk about a dark place. I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. How can you say that in the place he was at experience with suffering? An experience with victory in the face of suffering. It's not about the devil leaving us alone. It's about us being untroubled. Right in, right in the middle of circumstances. How, how is that possible? You turn yourself the right direction. You can look at all the difficulties, all the problems you want, and it will cause a suffering just by looking the wrong direction. But whenever you look and focus on God's word, on what he has said to you, and you hold your, your worship and your thoughts there, these things don't always leave, but you leave them. Paul and Silas exited that prison long before the doors opened. You decide when you leave. You decide when you exit. Amen. Praise the Lord. But the suffering of opposition and tests, if we handle it right, will work great maturity and great spiritual depth in people. Let's look at people who have had such impacts, had such a large voice in the body of Christ. What about Dr. Lester Summerall? <laughs> Raised up off of a deathbed, doctors gave him hours to live. What about Brother Oral Roberts? Suffered on that deathbed. Because they turned toward God, their suffering became the deliverance of millions. Amen. Your suffering is for someone else's blessing. If you think right, and if I could say this, don't settle into a mindset of suffering. <laughs> Sister Amy Simple McPherson, by the time, when she was 27, she was filling auditoriums of over 10,000. And I said to God one day, I said, how at such a young age was she, were you able to promote her in the way she was promoted? And he said, because she had suffered so much. And in the suffering, she matured. God promotes us based on, our maturity plays a role in readiness for the next level. And he said, she, the suffering she went through matured her. 
I was listening to a man, I believe he called the ministry and he talked possibly to Miss Dale, I don't know, I'm not sure, a staff member. And he said, I thought Pastor Nancy might enjoy my recollections of being in Sister Amy Silk McPherson's services. And he said he was about six years old. And he said, I remember, I remember walking with my mother and daddy. We'd gotten on, they had a train that ran right in front of Evangelist Temple where Sister Amy's ministry was. And he said, and we got off and he said, I remember I looked up and there was somebody in white on a balcony or a roof. I mean, up and outside is some kind of a balcony or something. He said they were standing in white and they had their hands and the people were just coming in throngs up the sidewalk and their hands are out over those people. And it said it was Sister Amy because when we went in, I saw her for the first time. I said, that's the woman that was outside praying. So just when the people were entering, her heart was toward the people's needs. She was already, see, that's a maturity. That's a maturity that she was already using, spending her faith for those people. But Sister Amy's husband died before she was 20. She was left in China with a newborn daughter, stranded there, had no money to get home. A woman sent, had sent a letter and said, God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, I must get this to, to Amy Simple and said, what are you going through, dear? God woke me up and sent the money for her to come home. Then she came home and she, of course, was heartbroken as a young wife. The dream of ministry that her and her husband had together was no longer theirs. You know, you have to understand this is not when women were, it was easy for women in ministry. And so she said, I've, I've just got to quit the ministry. She ended up after several years remarrying and had a second baby. And she said, now for sure I can't go. But God began saying, will you go? Will you go? And she'd always tell him why she couldn't. And after a short time, she found herself with all kinds of physical conditions. She had several operations till finally the doctors took her off the bed and put her down in the basement where they put dying people who have no hope. And she was put in the basement of the hospital there. And she said she was within moments of dying. And one last time she heard God say, now will you go? And she said, yes, Lord, I'll go. And the next morning she walked out of there completely healed, completely raised up. And the suffering she went through, through those six, five or six years there, it marked her. It, she, she used that suffering to propel her toward what she was born for. Turn everything the devil uses against you against him. Amen. And what God said to me was turn your mother's suffering into your skill. You'll remember when Jesus appeared to my husband and fire shot out of his eyes and said, you're not being skillful 
with the healing ministry. He had such a strong anointing, tangible anointing in his hand, but lack of skill was hindering its effectiveness. How many of us have been assigned, called by, you're, everyone's called by God to do something, not necessarily fivefold. It's our job and our privilege to become skillful Amen. with that. The lack of skill displeased Jesus in such that fire shot out of his eyes. Why? Because with the lack of skill, people that could have been healed and should have been healed weren't. Help that could have and should have been given wasn't given. Those that Jesus wanted to heal walked out sick. What happens in our services that should have been changed in our services? Who walks out the same way they walked in when it was Jesus' intent that something change? It's not just up to the pastor to be skillful. You heard it this morning. Every time you come to a service, you either raise or lower the spiritual temperature of that room, of what the Holy Ghost can do. Many need to learn to become skillful as a congregation member and how to draw on the preacher instead of thumbing through your book, flicking around on your iPad, lack of skill. And the lack of skill displeases Jesus. Fire showed it out of his eyes. Amen. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 10. <clears throat> According, this is the amplified translation. According to the grace the special endowment for my task. Look at that. The special endowment for my task, not for just anything I want to do. Endowment is not for just anything you want to do. It's for your task, your God-given task. According to the grace of God bestowed on me, like a skillful architect and master builder, not a builder, master builder. I laid the foundation and now another man is building upon it, but let each man be careful how he builds upon it. It's been masterfully built. Don't you throw some, some trash on top of it, some trash way of putting it together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter one. Pastor Nancy, you know this suffering thing that you're talking about. You have a lack of faith that you're bringing this up. Well, let's go see Paul. Second yeah. yeah. Corinthians chapter one. In verse three. Blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies. Look at this. And the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our what? Oh, Paul, don't you have faith? Why are you talking about tribulation? Because he's sober about what you need faith for, tribulation, right? 
You're going to need your faith when you tribulate. Remember what Jesus said about Peter? I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. Why? Because something's going to come. And if your faith is absent, if your faith quits on you, who comforts us, the God of all comfort, look at this, the God of all comfort who comforts us, how dare us? imply or accuse God of not being all he should be when we're going through something. He is the God of all comfort and he comforts. But notice how he comforts. Who comforteth us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. What's he saying? I turn my tribulation into your comfort. Why? Because the, I receive comfort in my tribulation, and I'm coming to remove yours, your discomfort with my comfort that came from God. Verse four, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. If you haven't been through anything, you got no comfort to offer people because you haven't received any comfort. And that's what God was telling me is those memories that of your mother turned them into something more. Verse five, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. What? I'm talking about God, the faith of God, the faith of God, not the sufferings of Christ, the faith of God. But this is Bible. This is as much the word as Mark eleven twenty two. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation. Wow. That's good. It, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring, not the bypassing, the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. In other words, what we're going through, you're going to face things, but we're showing you that with the comfort that got us through, we minister that to you and it'll get you through. We're the example that you can look to and say, if they made it, we make it. That's why Paul said, follow me, be an imitator. Which is effectually in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer or whether we be comforted. It is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Whenever God began dealing with me in 2015, excuse me, 2014, 
that he had Amy Simple McPherson's home that he was going to give me, in which he did the next year. One of the things he said to me, it is a reward for how you handled your husband's home going. Because he said, if you would have handled it wrongly, how others would have been affected by that example. God needs people who respond right. Because when we respond right, it helps others respond right. By me functioning in the consolation, receiving and functioning in the consolation, so did the congregation. So did the FOF ministers. And Paul said, what I've received, it's for you. It's not just for me. So when we choose to go do something different than the word and choose to do something uh, go a different direction. It's not just about us. Praise the Lord. Your suffering can work for you. And what I mean, it can work some, it can benefit you instead of undo you. You ever seen that? I haven't seen it in a long time, but I don't know. Maybe they're still, what's his name? Uh, Bill Gaither, Bill and Gloria Gaither. And they had the platform full of those singers. Just, ah. you see the younger ones singing and they're going, oh, I guess. You see the older ones singing. They're weeping. They're like this. Why? More experience. They, they respond differently. Those who have suffered respond differently toward God's presence. Those who, who have suffered respond differently toward their spiritual responsibilities and toward their spiritual place in the body of Christ. One of the things that Deneen deemed that I so value, she had six children. She suffered. Because children can be so stupid. And everybody's children, not just Denise. I'm not trying to point at her kids. Every kid, the Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And she had six boundings that she had to deal with. And she knew what it was like to look to God to get her through the, the challenges and the difficulties and the heartbreaks of motherhood as well as, you know, being a wife and helping her husband and fulfilling her role here. And what she does when she goes out and she sees people, she gets more people saved on accident. <laughs> You, I've been in line with her at the grocery store and she sees a mom with kids and say, boy, you need God's help raising them, don't you? And she starts talking to them about God based on the suffering she's gone through with her own kids. She knows you can't do this alone. I've been there. I got six. You can't do this without the power of God. How can she so win people and minister to people? Because she suffered. She's been there. 
And I'm not talking about a suffering to where you're tormented. I'm talking about just suffering just to have to deal with you weird little people in my house. <laughs> we were all normal before all y'all showed up, right? I, I'm just... <laughs> I've never been a highly impatient person. But when Stephen was born, I couldn't find patience anywhere. I mean, he put the stretch on me. And there's a suffering in raising kids right, but you better suffer when they're young so you don't suffer when they're old. You better get yourself up out of that chair and deal with it and act like you're a parent and act like, no, it's somebody else's responsibility. It's, no, it's your job to play that role because they're going to be suffering early or late and all the way in between if you're not careful. If you don't pay attention. Praise the Lord. Got all of that out of what Paul said. Your own suffering or, the, or seeing the suffering of someone you love can work the same thing in you. It turns into someone else's help. I went through four notable seasons in my life. It was hard. Why? Because I was ignorant. I didn't have the experience. And I tell you what, it was hell on earth. Not because God wasn't good enough, but I had to learn some things. Dad Hagen said, my revelation isn't yours. He says, you can't have my revelation. You get the revelation on your own. I can just tell you what, I've, what I have revelation of, but it's not yours till you, you learn it on your own. Amen. You don't inherit revelation. And I could, being married to a man of God, I didn't inherit his deliverance, his help. I had, to get, I had to learn to work with God and develop and receive my own. And Ed would say, he told me, he'd tell me later, he said, I'd say, God, let me just put my hands on her and help her walk free from this. And God said, no, she's got to learn it because of where she's going. God doesn't turn his children into cripples, leaning on others. Now he'll let you have someone assist you, but he will not foster a life of leaning. And Ed could not walk that thing through for me those four times and couldn't get on the other side of it. Through the suffering though, came three books that are your help. And I told God, if you'll teach it to me, I don't, I'm just not interested in wanting out. I want to help somebody else not go here. If they'll listen to me, if they'll believe when I say, if you'll just do this, it'll get you to the other side. If they'll believe that and employ that, they don't have to go through everything because I had to find the steps. I had to find 
the different things. And if I'll show them, do this. Now, I can't walk that path for you, but I can sure show you where the path is. And I guarantee you, victory is, part of, is on that path. But if I hadn't have gone through and suffered, I could not help those who suffer. There was one woman who got hold of is either the Sound Discipline Mind book or the Peace book, and then there's the Answer It book. Those are the three for the mind. Because I couldn't find any on the mind that were dedicated just to that topic. Dad Hagen, of course, would have stuff, but it was woven throughout his teachings. I'm looking for somebody to describe this for me and describe that, you know. And this woman got hold of one of my books on the mind. And she wrote me a letter and she said, for five years I haven't left my home. I've been so tormented by fear. And she said, somebody gave me your book and in two weeks I was up and out of that house and my life was back to normal. Devil, you touched me and I tell you what, you're gonna regret the day you did that because others are going to be made free that you thought you had. Praise the Lord. So basically, Paul said, my suffering was your comfort. Praise the Lord. And then I'll close with this passage, 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five, and I'm going to start in verse eight. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, the King James says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The devil always wants to make you feel like you're off in a corner by yourself getting your brains beat out. And part of that is you, you, you feel isolated. And that, that can be overwhelming sometimes to people. Verse 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Look at this next phrase. After ye have suffered a while. At, script, really? Is that in the Bible? After ye have suffered a while. Now look at what happens. Make you perfect. What's that word? Perfect, mature. Ah, suffering matures you. Make you perfect. Look at the next thing. Establish. What's that mean? You're grounded. You're established. Strengthen. And look at this. Settle you. Your mind's not unsettled. Your heart's not unsettled. The Amplified says... In verse 10, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor. What's he say that for? For in the suffering. Right, right. 
who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself complete and make you what you ought to be. You can't be what you ought to be when everyone shielded you from hardship. Parents, especially as you have young, young adults in your home, you can, you can weaken your children by stepping in and taking what they should have dealt with. And himself complete and make you what you ought to be established and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. This is not the suffering of sickness and disease. It's the persecution of obedience, of doing the word, carrying out God's plan in your life. There's going to come opposition to that. It could come through family. It can come through on the job. It can come through just your own flesh. It can come... But it's the, it's, it's the obedience that the devil's trying to get you off of so that you don't follow the plan of God. I'll, and then I'll close with something here that Dad Hagen said. Let me read it to you. Suffering will make you grow up spiritually in a hurry. As I look back now, I can see I wasn't conscious of the fact that the Holy Spirit led me into many hard places. Just knowing the word and walking by faith won't mature you. Listen to that statement. Just knowing the word and walking by faith won't mature you. That's the reason many people never get settled or matured. They won't stay in a hard place. They don't like what that pastor said. They pick up and they leave. They don't like how the, job, how the boss treats them. They pick up and they leave. They don't like that marriage. They pick up and they leave. And they get spiritually and they get dwarfed. He said, that's the reason many people never get settled or matured. They won't stay in a hard place. What does that mean? When you start doing something right, the devil will put so much pressure on your mind that people will walk away from doing what's right to get the relief of that pressure. They won't stay and walk that thing through by faith and say, I don't give up, I don't quit because they want ease more than they want victory. Dad Hagen says, I thank God now for all those hard places he led me through. Not camped out in, but he went through them. <laughs> then this, this just sounds like I had to leave this in just for your entertainment. He said, I thank God for the nosy people I've had to deal with. <laughs> and he was talking about when he was pastoring. One time, this is for your pure enjoyment. One time we were having a watch night service in one church I pastored. People would stay until after midnight and watch the new year in. We didn't have any special speaker and people were testifying about what different ones in the church had meant to them. He said, I said, so it's his turn. I said, I want to thank God for sister so-and-so. Everybody looked at me. <laughs> because sister and so-and-so was a gossip. <laughs> she was a troublemaker. 
and was always sticking her nose in everybody else's business. She caused everybody, including me, more problems and trouble than anyone else in the church. So I said, I want to thank God for sister so-and-so. She's been the greatest blessing to me of anybody in this church. She kept me on my knees almost continually. I wouldn't have prayed nearly as much if it hadn't been for her. Listen to this. Knowing her helped me. I suffered with her, but it matured me. Buy that love book. And then he says, Jesus, you remember, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted. The Spirit led him. That's what the Bible means when it says he was perfected through the things he suffered. Jesus had to be matured as well. And he didn't mature by going out and just saying it to everybody, I'm God's son, I'm God's son, I'm God's son. He had to endure. Whether you realize it or not, these are the things that are going to make us or break us. Here's where faith comes in. And here's where the tragedy is. People listening to faith teachers, if they're not careful, can get the idea that they're going to sail through life and that everything is going to be hunky-dory. They think they'll never have any trials, tests, or suffering of any kind. Then somebody rises up and says something about them and they're ready to quit. Having faith doesn't mean that you're mature. Amen. I love when God said to me, take the suffering you saw and turn it into skill. Amen. Quitters are everywhere because they want it easy on them. I want to reach the fullness. I want to reach the fullness. Amen. Are you helped tonight? Aren't you thankful Brother Copeland laid hands on so many of you last night? And received so much, but this is still part of the word. I said this is still part of the word. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we're so thankful for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We're so grateful. We're so grateful that you're preparing us now for all that's ahead. You're not just, you're not just ministering these things to us just because of only what's today, but for what's ahead so that we are, have our minds renewed. And Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so, so much. You have rescued. You put our life on course. And the victory is ours before anything shows up that opposes us. Thank you that we know the victory is ours. So we go through the things that 
will oppose us looking at you, looking at our victory. Thank you for giving us the best place to look. We're so grateful to know where to look. We're so grateful to know what to say. We're, we're so hungry, Father, for the fullness of what you have for us and we refuse to sidestep any training. But we embrace the opportunity to come into the fullness, the image of Christ. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Can I just say this? It helps you to cast the care when you know, when you know the victory belongs to me. The victory doesn't belong to me so that I can avoid this. The victory belongs to me so that I know how to get, how to walk through it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so glad coming into 2020, God said, it'll be your best year yet. Why? Because when everybody was saying it was the worst year yet, God, listen, what happened in 2020 propels us for 2021, 2022. All previous years play a role in where we go in future years. When we go through suffering, he shows us what to say. I remember when my mind didn't feel like my mind at those times. On this property, we, before this building was even built, there, you don't know it, but there was a hill here with a house on it. And uh, I would go out when my mind didn't feel like my mind. I was walking up that driveway and sitting on the property and just looking for relief, just some kind of, and um, God said one word to me. He said, I've already seen the end of this and you win. The thing against this didn't stop, but now I knew what to say. The Holy Ghost gave me what to say. No matter what you're going through, pay attention to what he tells you what to say because he's comforting you through this, consoling you so that now you can pass it on. Amen. Turn suffering into someone else's victory. Not just your own, but someone else's victory too. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you helped tonight? He's helping us. He's helping us. Because if we're not careful, we get in a, in a state of thinking about faith. That it means that I must be doing something wrong because this is happening. No. No, it doesn't always mean you're doing something wrong. It could mean you're following the Holy Ghost and He led you to some things. Now, I'm not talking about sickness and disease. But understand me. I'm talking about the persecution that comes from the obedience to God's will and to the word. The devil hates the word in you. And he wants it out of you. But you hold fast. Amen. And it's a joy to have experiences. Dr. Summerall stood up in one of his last sermons and he said, faith 
is experience. Because so many think faith is something that feels good and something that everything worked out all right. He said, faith is experience. Yes. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. I want more than a confession. I want an experience. Thank God for the confession. But so many just say they have the confession without the experience and then they're disillusioned. Hallelujah. Victory is ours. And it gets sweeter and sweeter. Amen. But he's, he's, he's helping us to have our minds renewed to all that this era holds. <laughs> Amen. We focus on the positive, but we're aware that these other. The word talks about don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not focused on his devices, but if you're ignorant about them, they, get, they can get the advantage. Amen. We're not ignorant that there are sufferings. There is opposition. But then we're not ignorant that he's the God of all comfort and that we have a grace and that our faith is for the victory that he's already made ours. Amen. And so when you run out of money, you get up and dance. You turn the suffering into a dance. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I did dance, Pastor Nelson, and it still didn't change. Keep dancing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Not only that, once you've gone through things, you'll be sweeter when you see someone else. You'll be different toward them. Because you go, I understand it. I thought it was so precious to watch Brother Copeland minister to the sick. Take people and hold them. Take people and pat them. And how tender he was. Why? Because he's suffered so much. You can understand. He knows what it's like. Amen. Hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.